0: to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflin. Each week you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this
1: space. Okay, so we're in building 32 today, my home building, and um, I appreciate you guys coming down. So I have Luca and Pat with me from the SharePoint Engineering team. So thanks guys for making the trek down from 36 you guys are in now.
0: Hi, Jeremy. Yes. And thank, thank you, you very much
1: for having us. So um, we've all known each other for a while now, being in the SharePoint space and me not quite escaping the SharePoint space and still touching it pretty hard with the Microsoft Graph with some of your colleagues. Um, but Luca, do you want to introduce yourself quickly and what you do on the team? Sure.
0: So Luca Bandinelli, I am the PM owner of the SharePoint framework. I've started in Microsoft quite a long time ago, it was January 2000. And... Uh, I, ironically, I started in SharePoint. My first gig was I was in the field and I was building the CSS uh, readiness guide for Tahoe that was about to ship. Oh wow! And then I basically worked in uh, the field and then in a team that was known as the SharePoint Rangers. I was one of the SharePoint Rangers in Europe.
1: I did not know you were the one of on the Rangers. Yes, huh, okay. with Chemo and yeah.
0: uh, Vesa actually uh, later, and I worked with big customer helping them adopting SharePoint on-prem back in the days and then I moved here in 2008 where I helped building the SharePoint customer advisory team then I moved to the Office 365 customer advisory team that I built that as part of the CXP and now I am in the engineering team owning as SharePoint framework as a program manager
1: so acronym CSS.
0: Yeah, CSS is Customer Support Service. And then yes, CXP? Sorry. CXP is the Customer Experience Team, which Do they, is...
1: Does in, CSS still exist and CXP? Oh, yes, okay, right. so CSS is a field
0: organization that still exists. This is where the support teams is, and probably is not called CSS anymore. Back in the days was. CXP is where all the fast track team are mm-hmm. under on. So that's it's more an uh, uh, organization that lives as a quarter here in Redmond.
1: Cool. So 18 years at Microsoft, 10 of which in Redmond.
0: Yes, pretty much. That is correct. And almost 18 around SharePoint, more or less related with some experiences in developing. And before Microsoft, I was developing in C++ and ATL, Advanced Template Libraries, and STL, Standard Template Libraries, way before COM was a thing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you have always picked the gnarly, g- gnarly technologies to do with. <laughs> kind of, yes. I was lucky. <laughs> How about yourself, Pat?
2: Uh, so I joined Microsoft in 2001 as part of an acquisition from Vancouver for a company called Encompass Labs. Uh, we joined and were called Content Management Server as part of the whole eBiz division back in the day. Uh, We shipped 2001 and 2002. From there, what was the feature? I did connected pages and connected templates, so you can blame me for that. (laughs) Uh, Then I helped migrate the SharePoint domain on, or sorry, the content management server, web content management domain on top of SharePoint for uh, SharePoint 2007. Did that publishing performance, all the caching work for that? did the taxonomy work in 2010, the search web parts and search publishing in 2013, joined Yammer for a while, Uh, then went back to SharePoint uh, to do the Delve blogs, which then morphed into the new page model, which we made into SharePoint framework, Uh, and the rest is history.
1: So so some of it was extensibility, but not all of your work has been accessibility
2: then? Uh, So we used SharePoint, so because we were in what would have been the SPS layer versus the WSS layer back in the day when the the DOJ sort of had that hard line between the two. So we used SharePoint a lot as external developers Mm -hmm. um, and so had more of a feel for here's what people are doing and what they want to do on it. Um, it wasn't until... Uh, and all the features that you ever did on the server had an extensibility part of it, so you'd want to have an API for stuff to use. Um, but it wasn't until the SharePoint framework... So I guess 2016 is probably when we started it, where we got the charter for... and you own the external third-party developer story on top mm-hmm. of SharePoint, so...
1: Yeah, like 1P, 3P. Yeah. And so do you feel like owning both that internal extensibility of how you go tell your partner teams in the same building versus then rethinking it for what third parties can do with it. Is that easier having that one model than it was oh. in the SharePoint server days?
2: Actually, So in the SharePoint server days, it was one model as well, which is I think why it works well again. Uh, Cause everybody wrote server code. Everybody's code was trusted. You'd roll out your, you know, we had to use the exact same public APIs that uh, all the third-party developers could. Everybody could create the exact same web parts, um, and the, well, I guess it was all in
1: the hive file, right? Like you yeah, do exactly.
2: what you want. Yeah, uh, and, it, and so that's what we tried to bring back. Is that as soon as you have something that's not used by the first parties, uh, it, it gets nowhere near the same amount of of traction and attention. And you know, there's something to be said for having. 150 devs all using something versus uh, sort of a smaller number. Which, so.
0: which was the world that we created for 2013 added model. Right, by yeah. moving
1: into the, the cloud and not being able to touch the hive on a data center yeah. right. in the middle of nowhere.
2: And So, I mean, it totally makes sense that, you know, we didn't, at the time, the tech didn't exist for us to have a common model for first and third party. So mm-hmm. with sandbox solutions and iframe add-ins and so on and so forth. Um, but then web tech sort of caught up and SharePoint uh, rendering tech sort of caught up and it, all of a sudden things came back aligned where we could have a, a common story for the two of them again.
0: And it helps us, it keeps us honest because now some of the shortcuts we could have been able to make is not there are not there anymore because the model is available for third parties as well. So mm-hmm. we need to be even more diligent in be sure that the code we are using is the right, has the right design for the scenarios that we are implementing as well as the, for the potential extensibilities of those scenarios as well.
1: Yeah. I remember I yeah. was when I was a consultant in Australia doing like file diffs on the 12 hives between the service pack releases to see what things Microsoft had changed in the, you know, all the different delegate control files and yeah. different things to go oh. That's a cool technique. What's this new little WYSIWYG feature there? I wonder what that does. And that was how we kind of learned to build stuff that later on down the line we realized would really hurt us when we did upgrades to major so, so versions of SharePoint. So hopefully we have better documentation
2: now than doing <laughs> yeah. file diffs between uh, machines. Yeah.
1: Or like what was it, Cast and tool that broke open the DLLs to? reverse engineer of the code to see the APIs that were going on. There was all sorts of Re-Sharper and hair, hairy stuff we yeah. used to do with resharper to work out what, what was going on.
0: I was doing the same when I was in MCS, so yes. Yeah.
1: Makes sense. We, so, that, so you guys are the right people to be doing this, knowing that you felt the pain in exactly. the past. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yes, you're correct on that. Absolutely. And so how long has SPFX been out in production now?
2: The... F- GA, I think, was February of twenty seventeen. That
0: right? Uh, yes, it's. Or 2016. twenty sixteen. this That was. Twenty seventeen. Let me check out NPMGS for a (laughs) second. Some reason I thought was it's like when like having a new
1: baby. People like goes it goes really fast. It's like it goes the same with release release cycles too.
0: Don't tell my wife, but I have the same problem with my kids' age and birthday. (laughs) So at least I am consistently bad.
1: They're both actively typing away on their <laughs> Surface like, I should try right this. <laughs> uh, no, I
2: think I want to say it's been out for a year and a half, which would be February of 2016 or May of 2016.
1: This is who who's got the better Bing skills right At now?
2: Microsoft slash generator SharePoint. Oh, you're, okay, you're going
1: <laughs> you to won't. GitHub now for your release. I'm going to the NPM. Yeah, uh,
2: 25 <laughs> versions. <laughs> yeah, 1.00 was two years. Yeah, so a year and a half, year and three quarters ago. that wow, okay. so was two years. Oh, it seems like just a flash in the pan. So <sighs> oh, there
1: you go. And so I, I think the, yeah. and I've, I've mentioned this to Vaser and Ed Everett as well, and different people, like in terms of the adoption of this stuff, I, I certainly, eat my hat how quickly people have jumped onto this framework versus kind of what we saw from a growth perspective on the add-in model or um, even the sandbox solution models per se. But I guess I'll with you, Pat. Like, why do you think that the adoption was so quick there? Because um, we didn't see that with the other models, like that kind of so that I think pace.
2: We saw it with the other models. It's just that the other models that got that were uh, script editor web part, content editor web part, mm-hmm. search templates. Like it was all JS on the page was where people were actually doing the work versus the sort of the models that we were trying to promote around the sandbox solutions and whatnot. Um, And I think that's because, so from talking to customers and our own own stuff and seeing what people were doing, there's a, I think we were focused a lot on the secure uh, standpoint where we don't, as a tenant admin, I don't trust who's giving me code. Mm-hmm. Um and so when you don't trust who's giving you code, for sure you have to have all sorts of of hurdles that make it somewhat more challenging to develop because there's the auth flows and the deployment flows and all that sort of stuff. Um and what we found was that for the most part, people are trusting the the source of the code because it's the guy across the hall, it's the guy down the street, it's the guy that's being paid. They have a, you know, a working relationship with these people. Um and so getting in the way and making things slower was sort of uh, counterproductive to what people were trying to do and so I think the with the framework what we did is tried to make it super easy to uh, develop and get it out you had to yes you had to learn new skills from a C-sharp developer you had to learn Ty- typescript and JavaScript and uh, sort of the client-side development model but you didn't need to worry about the sort of the Azure AD stuff you didn't have to worry about iframes if you had if you want to override a cell in a list you didn't have to have you know 800 iframes on a page which just wouldn't scale and stuff yeah um so i think it was more uh sort of akin to that and then it brought us also back to oh this is the same thing that the first party guys are doing and so uh it's easier to get the performance that you need and follow the best practice guidelines and that sort of stuff so that's, and,
0: and i think that thoughts correct me where I'm wrong but <laughs> since the beginning uh, we always positioned SPFX and what would became SPFX as a model that was supposed to be an addition of the add-ins model because the add-ins model was clearly focusing and solving a scenario which is I am a, a system integrator or more importantly an ISV that already have I already have my uh, platform and just like my platform has its own UX. Think about Visual Studio. Visual Studio will always have a website. It will always to have an integration across multiple workloads to be as much as consistent as possible. So the add-in model is a great model for that specific scenario. Uh, But then we were missing what Pat was saying, all the other scenarios that were possible back in the days Mm on-prem. And the add-in model, by definition, was not designed for solving or for tackling that kind of scenarios. So when we designed the SPFX, when we thought about SPFX was, okay, so we have this scenario that has been tackled and taken care of from the adding model standpoint. How do we unblock the other scenarios that people are doing through a scripted web part, which is good on one side because they're making this system solving the scenarios and the problems they want to solve, but on the other side, they're shooting them in the foot because there is no governance, there's no upgrade process, right. there's not all the other things. So how do we make these kind of things more uh, robust from platforms? Because it was really
1: yeah. off-the-rails stuff that people were doing with JavaScript. I yeah, just, send, yeah. It's probably better it to, pages.
2: Th- to position SPFx <laughs> not as the vNext or replacement for the add-in model, but as vNext replacement for... Random script injection, right. script editor, web part, script like that sort of stuff.
1: Where you're like you're providing better UI hooks rather than people having to guess well, the, the class UI file hooks.
2: names. Yeah, I mean for certainly that as well as the governance, the like make that stuff realize that that's where people are doing the bulk of the work and how can we make how can we give tenants the to, tenant admins the tools to control that to roll it out and mm-hmm. so forth. And,
0: and for our developers and our partners, it was also here's the contract we are giving you now a contract mm-hmm. instead of you messing with the DOM that we are going to change every time we ship a new version of our master page or page layout. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't do that anymore. Here's a contract that we will fulfill. And if you follow this
1: contract, you can do exactly the same thing in a more robust way.
0: Mm-hmm. Plus all the governance and ALM capabilities and functionalities that Pat was mentioning before.
1: And I think that was kind of the meaning of the world, right? Like there was a lot of definite JavaScript developers out there that were just purely doing their stuff in a browser and even at a stretch maybe in SharePoint Designer that now had to kind of move, gravitate towards more of a, a tooling model that was yeah. more automated. Um, and then there was the .NET guys that were kind of coming from the other direction, having to learn TypeScript and um, eventually kind of react. Yeah, a, so either everybody language. was happy because there was something <laughs> similar to the, what they wanted or, or really
2: everybody was mad because... They either had uh, JavaScript developers learning TypeScript or C Sharp guys are learning TypeScript with tooling. And, yeah. Um, but it's worked. Yeah, the, I mean, and kudos to, you know, the TypeScript guys and all the web tech community and stuff for sort of moving far beyond the, here's my single file of mm-hmm. JavaScript and just execute the stuff there. So
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess f- from that tooling side, people getting... Uh, started on this, Luca, like where do you send people? Like if they want to build their first SPFX web part, like where's the best place to go to do that?
0: So from documentation standpoint, we have a lot of documentation and stuff like that. Tooling, we try to be as much as agnostic as possible and to embrace the technologies, the spirit of the technology that we're using. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yeoman and Gulp is, and NPM are the base infrastructure tooling for starting building web parts and for editing web parts, you can use your uh, IDE tool that you prefer. You can use Atom, you can use Visual Studio Code, uh, but we don't have a tight connected or preferences. So back in the days of on-prem, if you didn't have Visual Studio and all the SharePoint add-ons for building C-sharp code was kind of problematic. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like, yes, TypeScript gives you the ability to do whatever you want. We have IntelliSense that works in the way, no matter which IDE you want and you have. We have a great relationship with the Visual Studio guys. Internally, we do use Visa Studio code. Uh, but beside that, uh, you go and choose whatever you want.
2: Yeah, I think the... So as a... Hey, I want to build my first web part. So VESA... Shout out to VesA. Uh, has done a great job. There's, uh, I think, six or eight tutorials that take you from sort of your very first web part, hello world, to connecting to Graph and and so forth. Um, and he keeps those up to date. I think he re-records them every time we do another drop. He has to go and make sure that they're all up to date and stuff. So, um, so that and then you know what VesA or what Luca was sort of alluding to. We've tried to remove. As much of the SharePointy isms as we could. You know, before you had to really hire SharePoint devs and be a SharePoint dev to do anything in SharePoint. And now it's a bit right. more like, if you know general web tech and you've, you know, you've used uh, Node or Gulp or NPM or that sort of stuff, then you can at least feel somewhat at home with the things. There's still, you know, some weird oddities that we have to have, but it's certainly less than before.
0: And when you say, VESA, we cannot... Forget about the SharePoint PNP community and all the guys that are working on that and are helping us tremendously. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Providing (laughs) great feedbacks and spreading the word with great demos and great podcasts and videocasts as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, insane how much of a community has kind of just spawned out of that uh, through like what Vesa and the core guys have been pushing. For sure. But um, it's almost impossible to keep up now. I said to Vesa, I was like, oh, you know that shipped, right? I was like, I don't have time to watch all the content that you're producing and do my real job. So um, I was like, I'm going to get you guys on the show to try and catch the Microsoft Graph audience to make sure they're aware of what they're capable of Um, and the broader M365 audience that we have that isn't kind of so tuned to SharePoint. Um, So, okay, so we can build a web part now with a more of a client-side JavaScript stack. But Pat, in terms of... Um, you know, those things are living on the page you know the UI is controlled by, or it's rendered by SharePoint, uh, with the first few releases of SPFX and there definitely were questions around the ability for my web part to call, um, an API layer because you wouldn't want to put all of your logic directly yeah. into client script. And then I guess over the last few major releases you've had, including 1.7, there's been some changes that have come around to kind of make those scenarios even clearer in terms of what you can do there?
2: Yeah, so the, the thing we tried to, so uh, stepping back, I guess to 2016 or 2015, considering it was released a couple years ago, um, there was a conference I was at where it was like, here's the, it might've been the added model. Um, but what struck me was that, I think it was a two hour lab and the first hour and a half was getting through the auth phase. Because um, as everybody knows, auth is a unholy pain in the butt. Um, I think we keep on joking. Every single you know hack day thing that you do, you spend three quarters of the time trying to figure <laughs> out how to authenticate to the service you're trying to use. And ultimately you're like sniffing cookies and just pasting it into your code and hoping it works for 15 minutes and nobody looks at it. Um, and so, for the initial versions of the framework, it was like, okay, we're going to create an SP HTTP client and use that, and you don't need to worry about auth; we'll handle all the auth for you. Um, and so, when we rolled out the uh, Graph or Web API feature, as we called it, in one
0: one four one
2: one four one, I think was the preview, and one five or one six was the release. Um, so we added the Microsoft Graph client, which again. As long as you use that and you say, here's the resource I'm interested in, we handle all the auth for you. We put the tokens on, we handle all the interaction with ADAL or MSAL when we migrate to that without having to worry about it. Um, What we do is we give the tenant admin, so the developer can say, hey, here's the uh, permissions that I need. I need to directory read, write, and Power BI execute. I don't and know they if do that in I... a
1: package file or something. Yeah, as part
2: of the SharePoint package, you can you can uh, list down. Here's the list of graph or here's the list of uh, scopes that I want.
1: Right,
0: and that works for graph as well as for third party web APIs.
2: Yeah, Um they upload that, and then the tenant admin can come along and say yes, yes, yes. I'm going to grant. Uh, <clears throat> the SharePoint domain access to those things. And for a small bit of history, um, we kept on getting hammered repeatedly by everybody. Why can't I have my web part have unique permissions? Uh, And it's like, as much as we think about things as a component or like my web part, really, it's the domain in the URL where the security is bound to. So everything with that domain, there is no way that you can... Isolated as long as they're all running in that same domain.
1: So the scenario B: I build a web part and ask for read write groups, right? Luca builds a web part and his web part could use the graph API and have the same permissions as my web part if it was living on the same page. Exactly yeah.
2: uh, And you can make that easy or you make it hard, but from a security perspective, there's no way to stop it, right? Um, so it was like, oh, well, we'll just embrace this and you know, the tenant admin isn't saying yes. I want web part foo to have directory read access. It's like I think in big letters. You know, this is for every single bit of code running in right. your domain. All the script editor web parts from history and so forth. Yeah. Um, but you so you do that, and uh, as soon as they approve that, when you use the SharePoint or the MS Graph client, um, again we handle all the ADAL calls and we'll put the tokens on and authenticate you so that you don't have to worry about all that again. Um, and so that, I think, made it a lot easier to consume the graph as a as a third-party developer. You didn't have to create your own Azure AD instance, or sorry, not Azure, your Azure AD app and handle the permissions for that and find a domain to host that thing on that's different from the other domain and so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. But then we started getting people excited and now there is the, but I want my web part to be special because either I want to call my own API And I don't want anything else in the page to call my own API or I want to build a a web part that get access to mail and nobody will always will never go and say the entire tenancy can access to mail. (laughs) Uh,
2: I'm chuckling because the first thing that I saw was the SP starter kit. Yes, they had the email. I think it was, e- it was there was some web part on there that had like because oh, it was to, like you know
1: like your inbox. Exactly, I was emails. like, "Oh, what are you doing with this thing?" <laughs>
2: yeah, and uh,
0: incidentally, the good, I mean, the funny part of this conversation is that because we have one framework for first and third parties, we get we were getting equally pressure from first party and third parties mm-hmm. to be able to create web parts that would have acted more control because they were requiring higher access to data or okay. access to more sensitive data that telepathic will never have provided to everybody.
2: And so we had those exact same conversations with them. It's like, no, let me educate you on the fact that that isn't actually going to work if it's all in the same right. domain. Like no matter what, at, at the end of the day, you're looking at iframes to protect yourself. Um and which we already we always sort of knew, and that was the sort of the role of the SP Add-in model was. If you need that that strong isolation, those additional permissions, and so forth, you're like yes, that is the route to go. That's perfect for that. That's that's the reason for it.
1: Because you have the provider hosted web right. yeah. application that's iframed in, which is on a completely separate domain to perfect. the SharePoint hosted page, and therefore the browser won't let you do any exactly jumping.
2: Um, the downside to that is that we're back into that world where you do need to have your own Azure AD app, your own domain. There's less connection. Like it's an iframe at the end of the day. And so there's only so much we can do to know what's going on in that iframe.
0: And you're not living in a page directly or indirectly. You are somewhere right. in the Azure world. So you have to pass authentication. Be sure that there is a contract and that, that authentication is well understood. All of the third party needs to Agree on that contract now. We can't change the contract forever and ever. Mm-hmm. So, that was back in the days when ACS got deprecated and AAD Evo SDS came out. It's just like, oh, but we can't and we cannot move from one place to the other. That's why, uh, in the Teams model that now we have shipped as a developer preview in 1.7, we <clears throat> We are going through the AD and the Evo STS model instead of the ACS model because it was very, was kind of impossible for us to migrate the SharePoint 2013 add ins to the AD model because of the tight dependency and the contract that was made with all the developers on top of the ACS.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and so it seemed uh, we had a few different ideas and Tech and little bits and pieces floating around that were like, well, we can use this and this and this, and hey, this should work. Um, and so the idea came up for, let's have an iframe that hosts a single SharePoint component. Uh, like a web part. Yeah, sorry. In fact, only a web art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work with extensions. Because um, again, see the problem with having 700 iframes on your page. Uh, where it's like, okay, so we can we have the the old add in model. I not even the add in model, more the um the SharePoint app model where you had like your app webs. And so those had a different domain for exactly the same reason. It's like, here's a different domain so it can have different permissions and we can stop it from getting access that the main domain has. Mm -hmm. Um, So we already had something to create these app domains and handle the mapping from them on our servers and the DNS entries and all that stuff. So why don't we leverage that to create app domains for these isolated web parts. Um, And so we can handle the different domain. They can run on the SharePoint boxes through a through the DNS entries and stuff. Um, and now because we own the page that's hosting the iframe as well as the page that's in the iframe, I can never remember which one would be the host, but uh, we own the SharePoint domain, SharePoint page, as well as the web part host domain, web part host page. And so it's a lot easier for us to manage all the things like, hey, I can send notification for my size has changed in a slight way, or I'm in runtime versus edit time, or I, in the future, understand what dynamic data is because I understand the contracts and I can pass all this stuff back and forth. Um, and so for the developer, they get to do exactly the same thing that they've always done. There's uh, one piece of metadata in the package that says, hey, I'd like to be isolated. Um, but other than that, the as far as the developer is concerned, the environment they're running in, everything looks exactly the same. Uh, and so again, hopefully that'll get uh people moving to solutions that require additional permissions but keep their tenant sort of secure if they're a tenancy that so now needs to they be worried requested, about
1: requested sort of read my inbox yeah. and they've set the isolator true. Um in the background it's doing all that work for yeah. them without them having yeah, to go it it'll up host all it
2: things. in you know, the email uh, webpart.contoso.com or something like that. Yeah,
0: so behind the scenes, we do two things. We do exactly what Pat said, which basically we create a new DNS entry, we have a page, we do the remapping. And then on the AD standpoint, we create when the admin approves, because there is still an approval process that the admin and in that approval process, we specifically say that that approval process is only for that specific component. Rather than growing up, all, for instances the, whole all the instances for that solution, of that specific yeah. component. Yeah. We create uh, a third-party app principle in AD with the related service principle in the tenancy itself. And we stamp the permission over there. Our code understands that now you are in isolated. So when you make the ADL call in order to get the token, we pass the right client ID, which is no longer the generic per tenant client ID, but it's that specific component instance in AD or that specific instance in AD that represents that component Mm -hmm. so that now you are also from a we are also leveraging all the security layer that AD provides because the domain is basically the internet domain name of the iframe and only that iframe can access that specific
1: and so from a visual perspective I mean iframes kind of go from being the evil thing of you know nightmares to the best thing ever to the evil thing to the best thing ever but
2: i'm not sure if they're ever the best thing ever no <laughs> yeah exactly but what's the
1: experience like an spfx because my you know it's very fluid and yeah. different resolutions and web parts can kind of grow and shrink how they choose yeah so the
2: i mean the goal is that apart from uh some it'll take longer for the web part to first time render because mm-hmm. The SharePoint page is rendered, but now we have to make a call to the iframe and it has to render itself and load itself as well. Uh, But apart from that, it should appear uh, no differently than any other web part. That's that's the goal anyhow. Um, That it'll pick up all the exact same theming. It'll pick up all the exact same locale and language stuff as the page grows and shrinks. The host iframe that we have on the page understands, hey, I've grown and I've shrunk, and so it can pass that information into right. the nested one and we can receive that and sort of grow and shrink the div that the developer gets to play with as well. So
0: yeah. and the property pane is also an iframe. Yeah. So that now you can make your secure call to web APIs. So if you want in the property pane to configure something just oh, that's like cool. select your mail yeah, for right. in this example or select the person you want to tackle, or something like that. Even the property pane code runs in an iframe.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's neat.
2: And so obviously the the data, like if you're persisting data, um, if you're persisting the, I don't know, the mailbox that you want to default to, um, yeah, yeah, that name is going to have to appear in the SharePoint list item that has right. the web part data and stuff. So some stuff, like the IDs that you require will be there. Um, but the actual data itself and all the REST calls and all that, all that sort of stuff will be isolated from the host page.
1: So in 1.7, this is a preview feature? Yeah. That's Correct. Um, preview. Where, is there stuff that you've caught already where you're like, mm, we need to work on this before we GA it, or is it still...?
2: Yes, so right now it only works in the root of the site collection, or the, the root of the tenancy, unfortunately. Oh, okay, um, so like the, the a
1: SharePoint site collection?
2: Yeah, so like we... The you should be super scared of I can run arbitrary code in a domain that has extra permissions. And so we lock it down. You can run webpart.aspx only for the component that's registered for that app domain and the login pages and the error page, I think. You can't sort of stick any page in your tenancy and have it appear in that isolated domain. Right. Okay. Then you could have your script editor web part on that page and now it can run anything and access anything and stuff. Uh, And so we were a little too enthusiastic about uh, limiting what could load in there. And so unless it's actually called underscore layouts 15 webhardhost.aspx or whatever it's called, it won't render. Uh, So if you're trying this, make sure that you uh, try it from the root site collection for another week or two before the I bet that's caught some people.
1: (laughs) Mostly us. (laughs) That's why it's Dev Preview, man. (laughs) Um,
2: So there's that. And there's some things that we know we need to add for GA. Uh, Dynamic data passing back and forth for sure is one Um, the, the joys of iframes and HTML and stuff means that occasionally you scroll bars appear and disappear depending if you hit edit or not edit and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that the property pane, uh, takes a little while to render at times, but, um, there's nothing that we've come across yet that's like, oh, we didn't even think of that. Um. But we know that, yeah, there's, there's work to do before we GA, but we thought it was important to get it out before that so that people can try it and say, hey, yeah. I've got this weird setup with yeah. emptying different and it, uh, apps and, oh, it, you're missing something.
1: So. Yeah, and Lucas, so it's really up to the customer in terms of whether they want to isolate or not. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some rules that different customers come up with and say that anything that's right definitely is isolated, but if it's a read calendar maybe it's not as yeah. at risk
0: that's actually another of the flow that we want to lock by ga the just like pat was saying right now the developer can specify that mm. uh, we also want to land in a
1: world we all damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a bet at the beginning of this podcast that if he said imagine the world or the world at all because <laughs> it's his thing that you know it's a park. i'm surprised i've only got one dollar on the table so far luke i'm impressed We also want to land in a situation (laughs) where uh,
0: the tenant admin, or we are evaluating a situation where the tenant admin can go and for the one that the developer didn't specify anything, the tenant admin want to say, I want to run that in an isolated way. Oh, that's neat. So that's another thing that we are evaluating for GA. Not sure if we're going to make it or not, but that's part of the game.
1: And actually, just to explain the relationship in the room, PM... I'm the dev. Yeah. Dev. Or, yes. I'm, a dev lead, I'm the dev lead. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand like that makeup at Microsoft of like I'm a PM as well, and I have all these devs that kind of you know don't often get out and talk. So it's great that Pat is definitely a more engaging developer oh, yeah, in absolutely. this scenario. I am a lucky PM. Yeah, not all lucky PMs person. have that relationship yeah, exactly. with developers that actually talk to customers. I clean his room. We have here. a wonderful warm relationship. So. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to wrap up. So um what's the best way to follow you guys? Are you I know oh I know you're both active on Twitter, so what's your Twitter handles?
0: So uh there is an SPFX Twitter. No, is, well, so um
2: before Twitter,
0: actually, what I would say, just to connect very quickly to what Luca Pat, doesn't like Twitter. That's true. <laughs> just like what Pat was saying before, please, please, please use GitHub for give us feedback, especially on the feature that has been Shipped as dev preview in 1.7. Just and like and by,
2: so by GitHub search for sp-dev-docs, and I'm pretty sure the first hit on your favorite site engine or search engine uh, is a link to uh, our GitHub repo. Because you
1: triage those, I see you yes. monitoring them. Because yeah. I have alerts on those,
2: because I always track them for
1: and graph I personally triage together
0: with Vesa and engineers in PATH organization at least twice a week.
1: Cool, that's awesome. Uh, that's aggressive. I like it.
2: And I am on Twitter. Uh, at patmill underscore msft. Cool, excellent. Uh, and it's very boring and very SPFX related. And the SPFX <laughs> Twitter
0: is uh, SPFX, right? I don't think so. Do we so. have
2: one? There's various office things. I don't think there's at uh, I mean, FESA has a whole slide of here's how to
1: connect, but I just wanted to get your guys' opinions there's about at SPFX, what you're watching. I'm
2: pretty sure some uh, enthusiastic uh, person that's, grabbed it.
1: That's, uh, that's, uh gatekeeping on it, hoarding on it.
2: Uh actually so the, if anybody searches for SPFx the last month was always an interesting time because uh, it overlaps with special effects. And so in this oh, case, yes. at SPFX there is, a, there is, is, an hashtag. is somebody that owns uh, or somebody that does See, special effects. Right. Special I'm effects. another
0: Twitter guy. So there's an hashtag, hashtag SPFX.
1: So. Yeah.
2: And so we actually did that on purpose. We released in the first week of November versus the last week of October. Oh, so to that, avoid uh, that bomb. Exactly. Is that right? That's purely why we did it. All yeah,
1: right. But there wasn't any slippage at, at all that caused that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome. the
1: your story. You're sticking to it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Could, well, I appreciate work. you coming over to any uh, to, to talk to us about this. And um, yeah, so everyone encouraged to go to the GitHub repo and uh, yes. give feedback in the issue section of the sp SPFX docs. And again,
0: thank you for having us. No, you're welcome. Thanks it's great for to much. see
1: you guys as well. And enjoy Thanksgiving this week for everyone listening. And you guys, we get two days off here in America. Self-promotion,
0: I will travel to Europe because I will be at the European SharePoint Conference. Oh, wow, presenting.
1: enjoy. Yes. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I was going to make that, but Daryl Miller's going to do the Graph, graph 1. Because baby's making me not travel as much exactly. just right now.
0: <laughs> and I know your wife will be happier if you're
1: here. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's the reason. Happy happy wife, happy life. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Thanks very much. Enjoy your trip. Thank
2: Thanks you. very much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes.